Welcome to 70, episode 79 of Oscar Sunday. I'm Austin Johnson. I'm Connor Zagari. And today we're talking about Home Alone from 1990 because it's December, you filthy animals. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to do a top five Christmas rotation movies uh, for both Connor and I. Uh, we're going to talk about Home Alone, of course, talk about the 63rd Academy Awards and uh, give out our own awards to Home Alone. So uh, let's get let's get down to it, man. Uh, top five Christmas rotation movies. These are movies that we both feel like we can't miss throughout the month of December. We have to watch them. They get us, get us in the mood of Christmas. Uh, the, the biggest holiday in our country for sure. And uh, you know, I think it has a lot of good stuff to offer some, some movies that I like regardless of what month it is, but these are, these have to be watched and picking five is actually pretty difficult. Uh, Cause there's, there's a handful that I, that I, you know, had to cut, but it came down to, okay, from when I was a kid to now, these, these are always here. So I'm excited to kind of hear what you got. We might have some overlap. We'll see. Uh, so go ahead and take it away with your number five. All right. Just for kicks, I want to throw out one honorable mention. I love uh, it. It's not a Christmas movie, but it's something that's turned into a Christmas tradition for me and one of my cousins. Um, every year <laughs> for the past three years, my cousin Miles and I watch Muppet Treasure Island on Christmas Eve. I, I love that. One, one day I was just like, I was watching it on Christmas Eve. He wandered in, he got into it. And then every year we just, we watch fucking Muppet Treasure Island. <laughs> Not Muppet Christmas Carol, Muppet Treasure Island. <laughs> yeah, the better movie. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make any damn sense, but it's one of my favorite Christmas traditions. And like, he asked me earlier, like this, like a couple of days ago, like, hey, are we going to, we're watching Treasure Island, right? And I'm like, you, you know it. Yeah, of course. Counting down the dates. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So with that out of the way, my number five is a remake uh, that a lot of people don't like, but those people can go to hell because this is a good movie. Uh, 2000's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Oh, I love this movie. Great. Yeah, great yeah. stuff. We all love the Karloff cartoon from the 60s. It's great. It's also 18 minutes long. Jim Carrey <laughs> made the Grinch a relatable, likable bastard, and it's fantastic. This movie is so delightful, Christmassy, hilarious, and art-directed within an inch of its life. Creating Whoville was gorgeous. I think this one for makeup and production design, and it deserved it. It's so fun. Makes me laugh harder every time I watch it. I can't believe he came out of Man on the Moon and then went right into The Grinch. Yeah, yeah that, that's impressive. Uh, and it's just, uh, it's one of my favorites to just laugh and enjoy the improvisation. And also there was a tweet Jim Carrey did a couple years ago where he said something along the lines of, to be clear, the Grinch never hated Christmas. He hated people, which is totally fair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, to I totally understand that. Uh, I love characters who are just kind of just, just done with society and the Grinch yeah. is at the top of that list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, good pick. Yeah, that was one I had to cut. I love it so much. Uh, I remember, I remember seeing it in theaters as a kid and just kind of being almost freaked out. You know, just the you know Jim Carrey was so, so animated and so into the performance. And that was before I knew who he was and what he was capable of. You know, uh, and it still still holds up. Still really really funny. Uh, and that one's that one's cool because it's. Like you mentioned, you know, it's got the great, great production designs it's directed by fucking Ron Howard. You know, this, this guy who's done all kinds of amazing stuff 
And <laughs> it just makes sense that he's right there. Uh, screenplay by Jeffrey Price and Peter Seaman. Awesome stuff. Do you like the 2018 one? Oh God, no. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's I'm not, not a fan. Me. I'm not a fan of Illumination anyway. I think their films are kind of the same movie every time with a different rapper and there's no heart <laughs> behind it. It's all just like mass produced kid bullshit. So no, I, I don't care for the 2018 Grinch. Yeah. Yeah. It's not very good. Now my daughter Willow <clears throat> likes that one and she gets freaked out by the 2001, <laughs> which makes sense. Right. It makes yeah. sense right now. He's yeah, a monster. I, tried, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. I tried to show it to her, you know, in live actions, you know, she's two and a half years old. So live action stuff is just not as interesting to her, uh, which is fine with me. Cause I love animated movies. I love, I love kids movies, but there's just no comparison at like whatsoever. And then the old one freaks her out because that, that damn smile that the Grinch has, you know, that <laughs> creepy, that creepy smile. So I love it. I love watching, lo- love watching the Grinch with Willow, my daughter. It's great. Uh, my number five is actually our, uh, our, our movie of the day. It's home alone. Ah. It's, I, I, I love home alone so much. <laughs> I watched, I've watched this one out of all five of movies on my list. This is the one that's been with me the longest. Uh, I watched it, you know, four or five years old and just kind of stayed, just kind of stayed. It was always on TV. Uh, probably still is. I just don't really watch a whole lot of TV now. Uh, but I, but I love this movie. Um, forget where it's streaming. I watched it. I don't own it. I don't know why I don't own it, but I watched it. What's it on Disney plus. There you go. Yeah. That's because the new one came out, uh, not too long ago. Uh, fuck that. But the, <laughs> the original home alone and home alone two are both fantastic. Uh, I actually almost chose to, I, I think I might I don't know. I, it's really close. They both kind of blow me away. Uh, of course, I love love what Joe Pesci is doing. Macaulay Culkin is is just kind of going into superstardom at a really young age. And directed by Chris Columbus, the guy who did the first two Harry Potters. What the fuck? And uh, and of course, written by John Hughes, who was an absolute legend at this point. You know, doing Breakfast Club and Sixteen Candles and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Like these movies huge he, he wrote some movies i love like the great outdoors guy i love that one and he's uh uncle buck he directed that one too great movie i i, I really respect what home one's doing you know i think it i think it moves with the pace that american cinema just has kind of mastered you know i think i think it's on the same playing field as a lot of you know uh 20th century classics and i i always have a good time, always have a good time with home alone. And I'm really excited to talk more about it later. Uh, give more awards out. I, I think I laughed harder this past time watching it more than ever. You know, as I get older, I just crack up over, you know, like when, uh, fucking Kieran Culkin is of course in it as well. And when, whenever he's drinking the Pepsi at the dinner table, fuller, easy on the Pepsi. <laughs> and he just smiles. Like I was, I've lost, I lost my mind. You know, that's, that also has to do with, you know, how, these actors have, have aged over time. And Karen Culkin is now the star of one of the stars of succession on HBO, this crazy, intense Adam McKay show and just fun. What like going back and watching, you know, these guys. And of course, Joe Pesci has just been a absolute legend for like 40 years now. So uh, yeah, home loans. Great. It's, it's, it had to be in my top five. I barely like, I, I was this close to including home alone too. It's love home alone too. I love Home Alone, but Home Alone 2 doubles down. It's so outrageous. It's impossible. Like, they would ever, you know, encounter each other in fucking New York City numerous times. But I don't care. The the scene... Movie movie magic, yeah. 
the scene where Marv gets electrocuted with the sink never fails to almost kill me. (laughs) It's the funniest. The shake after he lets go of it, though, this like his hair, the little bit where he's a skeleton. Like, how do you not just (laughs) laugh your ass off at this movie? Yeah. Uh, The whole thing with the bricks. I, I, (laughs) super good. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, had, I, I had to have one of them represented, you know, there's just, I, I love them both. That means, you know, one of them got cut out, the Grinch got cut out. And for me, uh, I, I could make a list of movies that I, I, I respect the hell out of. Like, um, from 2015, there's two movies, Carol, I, I love that movie, and Tangerine by, by Sean Baker. Love both those movies, and they're very much, Chris, they're very much Christmas-oriented but they're not movies I'm like, oh, I have to watch this every December. You know, it's yeah. their movie. They're movies I'll watch any fucking time. I just really respect them. But this list is like, what is part of the rotation? No matter what. Yeah. I'm with you. I, you know, I love the shit out of It's a Wonderful Life and The Bishop's Wife, yeah. but they're not in here because these aren't, you know, my must sees, you know, one I did have. I, I was really reluctant to cut, but I had to was the Polar Express. Oh, me too. That's a yeah. good one. It's. A lot of people are unnerved by that movie because of the way everybody looks kind of robotic and creepy, but I, it makes me, it warms my heart. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. I love, love Polar Express. I, I, it's on HBO max right now. And I started watching it actually before we started recording. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to go back and finish that tonight. I, I love Polar Express. It's, it's, it's like, really really bizarre how much different it is than other animated movies like you said it looks looks way different tom hanks just fucking dynamite uh what's your number four my number four is the film i open christmas with every year uh 1996 jingle all the way oh great pick <laughs> sitting at like a 12 or 17 percent on rotten tomatoes this movie's critically reviled but has become such a cult hit because it's so goddamn funny yeah <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger versus Sinbad for the holiday toy of the season that both terrible dads forgot to get. (laughs) And it's just, it's such a great critique on the commercialism of Christmas, on the insanity of superhero culture, on like, you know, the the whole going postal thing with mailmen. Like this covers a lot of ground. (laughs) And it's so, so funny. The bit with the bomb when yes yes like, it blows up and Sinbad's walking away and he's like that was really a bomb it's a sick world we're living in like he just he didn't even know i <laughs> this movie gets funnier with age every time i watch it i laugh harder when jim belushi the fake santa like asked him if he wanted turbo man for christmas and he's like forget it i'm not gonna sit on your lap <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> <"Walk away." laughs> it's so funny i will yeah. challenge anybody to not be entertained by this movie fuck the, re- the critics the reviews this is a holiday classic that g- just is so hilarious. Uh, one of my favorite Arnold movies. Yeah, me too. <laughs> ah. Me too. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. That's somewhere probably my top ten or fifteen. Where I just I've seen it most most December's. I watch it. I love that. That's your your kind of kickoff movie. Because my my number four is my kickoff movie for for Christmas. <laughs> uh, and it's 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 Elf. <laughs> ah. Uh, directed by the legend himself, John Favre. The, he's uh, at this point become an absolute genius in Hollywood, and in my opinion, one of the most important names in the movie world right now. Uh, and it has been for the past thirteen years since Iron Man. Just he just has seen through 
what the people want and he's 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 like taking upon himself to to just kind of make that a reality with uh you know <clears throat> with the marvel stuff and star wars like he, he's just a, he's just a genius and i love him you know i love his his acting style as well at, but but elf <laughs> i adore this movie so so goddamn funny uh will ferrell for as many amazing performances as he's had in his career i i genuinely think that his best stuff is inside of Elf, kicking and screaming, and then and then it gets to, you know to Step Brothers and old school and those 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 kind of adult raunchy uh, comedies. But the challenge of doing a kids movie, doing a family movie, and Will Ferrell is just like I don't care if all these rules are in place where I can't be completely nasty and you know be fr- be Frank the Tank and just drink like a wild man, or in Step Brothers just be completely ridiculous. I love that he can do it in both lanes and in an elf, you know, specifically the scene when he's uh, his fucking dad's James can like, come on, like, <laughs> how can you not love that? Uh, and his mom's uh, Mary Steenburgen. Like, <laughs> are you kidding me? It's crazy. Casting is so cool. Uh, when he's goes to his dad's office and he's in the suit, he finally like, dresses like a normal person. He's not an elf anymore. And his dad is like, could you please be quiet? You know, he's like sitting in the corner reading a book and, Please be quiet. And then the phone, the phone starts ringing on, uh, on his dad's desk. And he picks up, Will Ferrell picks up the phone and he's like, hi, buddy elf, what's your favorite color? <laughs> I can't, I can't handle that. It just, I, I, I lost it. This was, I watched this before December even started because I couldn't wait. Uh, it's, it's a movie that I bond with my mom over. My mom's obsessed with elf. And she's, she watches it like all the time, not just around Christmas time and just thinks it's so funny, you know, and I, I share that with her. It's one of those, one of those rare times where we're like in the exact same, we're on the same wavelength with movies. You know, a lot of the time my mom is in a completely different place than I am with movies, but occasionally, you know, there's those, those outliers like, like Elf and it's just kind of movie magic for me. And I always, I always get kind of amped up when I watch this and, Christmas is a weird holiday to me, you know, the, like you said, with Jingle All the Way, the commercialism of it and everything. But there are those things for each person that get you kind of amped up for the season. And Elf, Elf does that for me. I love it. When it comes to Christmas, you know, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in malls. I believe in movies and family. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I, that's what, you know, Christmas to me means, you know, a fire going, cold outside, watching Elf. Like that's, that's a good, that's Christmas to me. Uh, yeah. However, call me a cotton headed ninny muggins. Cause it did not make my top five. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, it's tough, man. It's tough. It's tough out here with all these classics. <laughs> it is tough. I've had to cut so many movies. I love. <clears throat> yeah, me too. Uh, and, and then, you know, like you said, like we were both saying, there's those movies that kind of stick out to you regardless of their themes of Christmas. You know, It's a Wonderful Life is a great, great shout out. Plus, we got to talk about that one not, not that long ago on, on this show when we did our 1946 Best Picture Showdown, the best years of our lives. And we both talked very highly of It's a Wonderful Life. And, it, you know, the last 10 minutes are very jolly and very, very, you know, they're very heartwarming. But there's like an hour and a half there where he's just, Jimmy Stewart's just losing his goddamn mind. And it's, it's an awesome movie because of that, you know, and it's not, it's not a movie. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to let's, let's get hot cocoa and watch, you know, it's a wonderful life. Some people are that way, you know? Yeah. Uh, but for me, I'm, I'm down to watch that January, February, March. I don't give a shit. It's just a good movie. 
it is a lot of people forget it's a fucking downer until the last like 10 minutes. It's, you know, yeah. businessman loses everything, contemplates suicide and doesn't go through with it. That's 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 the miracle of Christmas. Yeah. And there's there's an angel that gets sent down and he's like, nobody can hear me or see me. What the fuck is happening? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a mind. It's a mind bender. And then, yeah, the last 10 minutes are just so, so heartwarming that it takes it to a different different level but yeah it's a great movie we, we obviously both both care about that one a lot i might i think i like it just as much as any of these movies i have on my list you know yeah yeah i tended to go comedy for the most part because you know it's the holiday it's jolly it's fun it's enjoyable you want to laugh you want to laugh you don't want to cry <laughs> yeah yeah my, my last three are pretty rough <laughs> I'm intrigued. Well, you know, yeah, we'll get, we'll get to it. Yeah, what's your number three? My number three is one of my all-time favorite Bill Murray movies, 1988's Scrooged. Mm, good pick. Good pick. A modern-day retelling of A Christmas Carol where a TV executive who's a complete narcissistic prick is visited by three ghosts on Christmas Eve and learns how to be a better person. It's hilarious. It's, uh, it's Richard Donner, one of his films, uh, was nominated for Best Makeup, has just some some great moments uh where he just randomly tells his board of directors like now i have to kill all of you like things like that <laughs> uh, yeah it's scrooge is a great watch the ending is so heartwarming uh weirdly enough bill murray hated making every minute of this movie which was a surprise but i've learned he he's he's difficult he's difficult hey, extremely yeah he's a weird weird dude too yeah yeah but scrooge is fun and uh, really cool, great Bobcat Goldthwait performance as the one board member who dares speak up against Frank Cross is immediately fired and sends the entire movie on the background trying to get booze, but constantly having it taken away from him and then showing up at the end with a shotgun. Yes. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, uh, great, great, great pick. I, I kind of knew this was going to be somewhere in yours. I know you love this one. I love Scrooge. Yeah. Awesome. Very good. Very good. Yeah. This is where I'll take a dark turn for sure. Uh, my number three is, is, you know, the, there's four movies in here that have been with me for a long time. And then there's this one that I would say the past few years is like, okay, this I'm, I'm going to watch this every, every December. And I actually jumped the gun on this one. I watched it last month. Uh, and it's black Christmas from 1974. <laughs> Thank uh, you. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, just absolutely frightening. Bob Clark directed, uh, written by Roy Moore. Crazy, crazy movie about, you know, if you haven't seen it, you know, please, please, please check it out. It's about a group of sorority girls and they're just stalked by this, this stranger. Very good use of the telephone in this movie. Uh, very wild, kind of almost ambiguous ending with the telephone as well. Very cool. Very, very dark. Uh, I, I think with this one, I, I, I like the, I like the darkness that it plays off of, of people are hanging out, people are together during Christmas time. So what better time to like pounce on a bunch of people than Christmas. And it, that's, that's really nasty and dark, <laughs> much different than my affection for elf, but I love black Christmas. I respect it so much. Right. You know, I have to have a seventies movie on my list, right. You know, it's my favorite decade and there's a lot of wild shit happening and black Christmas is one of those kind of standouts from the seventies. Uh, I also, you know, recently was talking to you, you know, we're, we're going to Los Angeles, uh, in like a week or so. 
a little, little over a week, we'll be, you and I will be going there together and we're going to go to uh, Quentin Tarantino's new Beverly cinema theater. And we're probably going to see black Christmas on the big screen, which will be an absolute treat. So I'll be able to watch it twice, you know, kind of in the, during the holidays. And I have no problem with that. <laughs> ah, I'm so happy you had this. I, I wanted to put this, but you know, it just wasn't going to make, make the list. Uh, yeah. Caleb and Josh are going to be very happy to hear that a the definitive Christmas horror movie made your top five. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I haven't been with it for that long. You know, it's just, again, been a few years since I've saw it for the first time, but immediately I was like, Holy shit, man, this is, this is something else. You know, Bob Clark's an absolute, absolute mastermind when it comes to kind of, you know, psychological horror and kind of making you, making you feel really uncomfortable. So I, I love this one. Bob Clark is the master of the Christmas movie because he gave us Black Christmas and a Christmas story. Yeah. Which yeah. is amazing. Christmas story. Uh, you know, I'm sure there's listeners out there who would be like, oh, how the hell is this not here? I, I'm yeah. just not a, I'm not a big fan. I don't know. Uh, it's just, it, it, I, I probably didn't catch it at the right time as a kid and it just kind of went by me and I was like, uh, I don't know. I don't really get it. I like certain moments of a Christmas story. But watching it all the way straight through is kind of hard sometimes. It's it's a bit mm. dull. The ending just kind of happens. Uh, yeah, you know, A Christmas Story is good. I don't think it's great. Yeah. Uh, so didn't make yeah. mine either. I'm with you. With you on that. All uh, right. Down, down to our top two here. What do you got for your number two? Number two was our first Christmas movie we did on this podcast, 1988's Die Hard. <laughs> yes, that's my number two as well. Let's go. Ah. Yeah, Die Hard's a fucking masterpiece, and it's a Christmas movie. Arguments ended right there. If it's a Christmas movie, <laughs> yeah, we this is what we did last year on Oscar Sunday around Christmas time. Uh, love this movie. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, the movie that got, that gave us Bruce Willis and Alan Rickman at the same time. It's so simple, you know. New York cop in an LA tower is the only one who could stop a gang of terrorists. There you go, and it's a, and it's a Christmas. There's. You know, it's the 80s at a, in an office building. So there's just like a thin mist of cocaine dust pretty much everywhere. And yeah, I I don't know what more we can say about Die Hard. We did a whole episode on it. Check that out. It's 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 fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good that I, I, I would do it again. Kind of like that's the that's how I feel about it. And I feel like our awards could change just because there's so many amazing scenes in that movie. There's a lot, a lot of cool moments. Alan Rickman is putting on a clinic, you know, uh, he's, he's great in that. John McTiernan masterpiece, you know, who would have thought, right. You know, <laughs> like you look on it, look at his filmography and it, this is just, this is just like hands down one of the best action movies of all time. And it's just crazy, you know, looking at when you look at people and what they've done, you're like, holy shit, you know, that's even if you just had Die Hard, it, that, that's all you need. <laughs> yeah. Great, 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 great movie. Yeah. All he needed was Die Hard, but he's also the fucker who gave us Predator. So, yeah, but, Predator, roll, Rollerball, fucking the 2002 one. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> what in the world? Last action here in 1993, just insane filmography. <laughs> A hunt for Red October. Like, yeah. Christ. Yeah. yeah, McTiernan. We don't we don't talk about him when it comes to like great action directors. I don't know. Maybe it's because he went to prison for a while. I don't know. Yeah, yeah that, that could that could be it. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, he's he's awesome, man. I'll I'll kind of kind of stand by Die Hard no matter what happens. It's just uh, it's really cool. So you you have two 1988 movies back to back 
Yes, I do. And Scourge and Die Hard. I love it. So the that's good, both are good year for Christmas movies. <laughs> yeah, no question. <laughs> good year for movies. There's a lot, a lot of cool stuff in 88. Uh, so that's both our number two. So now we're down to number one. I think you know what mine is, but I have no idea what yours is. I I feel like I, I don't know off the top of my head what yours is, but I have a feeling when you say it, I'm not going to be in the slightest bit surprised. No, not at all. <laughs> um, and so my number one is kind of, it's number one because it's my family's number one. It's the Christmas movie we always save till like the last week of Christmas. We do some kind of hot cocoa party. We did a trivia night around it once. It's a movie that symbolizes family to me and it's Christmas vacation. Oh, hell yes. Good pick. <laughs> The best of the vacation series by a long shot, a purely ridiculous National Lampoon comedy that's just the Griswold family biting off way more than they can chew, having the entire family of Christmas time and Clark going steadily, steadily insane until he snaps with a chainsaw. So it's just it's delightful. It's it's the best. I I love it so much. It means so much to my family. And I, uh, I got to do I got to see this at the, uh, the draft house once. And uh, my cousin Miles won an eggnog chug contest and uh, won a uh, Marty Moose uh, like eggnog glass that Clark uses in the movie when he snaps. He's like starts drinking eggnog. Uh, he gave that to me a couple Christmases ago. Beautiful. So, yeah, I have a lot of good family memories surrounding this movie. So it's uh, it's definitely my number one. That's very cool. I like that a lot. You know, regardless of, you know, uh, your, your personal, you know, adoration for different movies, there was no denying that, that, that cool thing about Christmas, bringing people together. You know, we, we just, that's just, as you get older, you start realizing, you know, you have to have excuses to like hang out and get together because people get busy schedules, get busy, but there's, you know, the holidays, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas specifically, people are just going to gather. And those things that kind of build that bond and hold that together, I think for you, is it's like it's like a glue for you guys, uh, Christmas vacation. So that's a really cool pick. My 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 number one is 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 just is just for me. Uh, I'm being being quite selfish here. I don't have a I don't have like our, our my family has never been like, oh, let's just get together and just just watch Christmas movies. That just doesn't really happen. So I have the, I have the luxury of just choosing straight up one of my favorite movies of all time, and that's that's a Christmas time in Gotham, Batman Returns, nineteen ninety two. But yeah, obviously, yeah. Why didn't yeah. I not? Of course. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I I've spoken about this movie on multiple occasions. Uh, we got to do it on Filmgasm last year, and it was a a true delight to be able to talk about this movie at length. I would do it any time, any day of the week. I. It's my favorite Batman movie of all time. Pretty, pretty easily. I love Tim Burton's Gotham more than anybody else's. And specifically in this one, you know, it's, it's the ridiculous, you know, gauntlet of characters, you know, and you, you know, Michael Keaton's just knocking out of the park as, as Bruce Wayne, Danny DeVito, Christ, Michelle Pfeiffer, Christopher Walken. They're all just kind of, for me, they're just batting like at a thousand percent. I I love everything they're all doing. And I, I, I love when um, a comic book movie tackles something like like Christmas tackles it, you know, so strongly and like uses that as its backdrop. You know, right from the beginning of the movie, we see the decorations are up, and then you know, then these these fucking 
wild clowns and shit come out of nowhere and they're coming out of Christmas gifts. And it's just so cool. It's so dark and so cool. I have a blast every time I watch this. Uh, I could, I could watch this any month and, and I'm always going to have a good time. And anytime a new Batman movie comes out or anything DC related, really, I'm like, Oh, I might as well watch Batman returns, but there's just no chance in hell, <clears throat> no chance in hell. I'm getting through December without watching returns. I love it so much. Even if I watched it in October, November, I, I, like I'll, I'll still do it in December. I just have to. It's such a joy for me to, to sit down and watch that one. Uh, so yeah, that and Die Hard, really there's no way, no chance in hell, uh, any movies taking, taking those top two spots. I love both of them. Batman Returns is a fucking classic. And yeah, I, it's, it's, in, it's like number six. If I had to, yeah, I totally, yeah, I, I always forget that that's like your favorite Christmas movie, which is awesome. Uh, yeah, returns is uh is really cool. I uh we did it on Filmgasm last year, and it ended up being like one of our longest episodes ever because we just got caught up in talking about how how awesome that movie is. Um, I'd love to bring it over to Oscar Sunday. It was up for a couple technical stuff. That would be next really year. fun next year. <laughs> next year for Christmas, yeah, yeah. Because there's not, you know, when you look at Christmas proper, you know, pro- proper Christmas movies nominated. You know, there's not, it's not a, it's not a really long list. So I, I we always want to do one per year, you know, and this year it's Home Alone. Last year was Die Hard. Who knows? Maybe next year will be Batman Returns. I'm not sure, it, but it's, we could do Carol, you know, we could do something a little bit more serious. Uh, I, I just love the love, love that movie. And one day it will get its proper episode over here on, on, on Oscar Sunday and giving awards out to that movie. Forget about it. I'm going to have an aneurysm. <laughs> Ah, fantastic. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Nice and nice and easy. That's one of that's probably our quickest top five just because we're we're both so set in stone. You know, it, yeah. it these movies are with us. They're they're part of our DNA. And I I love that about them. You know, it's it's nice to to have that in your back pocket always. December, December. I get to watch all these movies and nobody can fucking bother me about it. <laughs> you know, because uh, if you're gonna watch Home Alone in fucking July, people are like, What's your what's your deal? You know, it's like, well, <laughs> Well, fuck, you know, I guess I got to wait. <laughs> yeah, we have a very strict rule about that at our house. Like we we don't like we tend to, you know, we don't watch Halloween outside of October. We don't watch Christmas movies outside of December. It's, it's weird. Like my family's like fucking hardcore about that. Hey, nothing wrong with that. Now, I know I know for Thanksgiving, I think we're both in the same boat that planes, trains and automobiles is just, you know, by miles, miles and miles. That is the movie you have to watch <laughs> on Thanksgiving, or at least in between Thanksgiving and Christmas. It's that that one and uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. I have to watch at some point, like in November. Just the, their staples. So we could do a fucking Thanksgiving countdown at some point too. It's a lot of fun. Planes, trains is yeah another John Hughes classic. He he cranked that thing out in three days. Yeah, crazy, <laughs> amazing. Uh, and yeah, a touching, heartfelt 80s comedy that's just just gets better with age. The 80s, such a great decade of, of comedy. Yeah, yeah. I think I think 80s American cinema is just there's something different going on, you know, from stuff like, you know, Indiana Jones and Back to the Future, these movies that are just, they just they totally understand like what the people need right now. And they're the pace, the pace in the 80s is like nobody's business and i've I, I i've i've got a whole new respect for the 80s uh i've been kind of seeking out 
more eighties movies. Cause I, I, whenever I look at my letterbox, I see, Oh, I've seen way more seventies movies and, uh, and nineties for sure than the eighties. And it's like, well, maybe I need to start kind of branching out and watching different stuff. Like I just watched, um, smooth talk from 1985, Laura Dern's first, first big, big role, uh, directed by Joyce Chopra. And I was like, Holy shit, this movie was really, really good. And turns into a horror movie, the third act. And I, I've just, I, I find that there's these little pockets in eighties, uh, American filmmaking that are, that are fantastic. So I'm, I'm having a blast with that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, I consider my, I know I was born in 95, but cinematically I consider myself a child of the eighties. Hmm. Cause I yeah. grew up with eighties movies and I'm still fine. You know, there's still a bunch I haven't seen yet. Uh, you know, stuff I got to check out. I've never seen like Dirty Dancing, for instance. Oh, uh, there you go. Yeah. Roadhouse. Pretty much Swayze is, is who I got to <laughs> look at. But um, Roadhouse. Yeah, it's, it's, it never stops. The journey never stops. And uh, I'm excited for you to get to have some 80s classics under your belt. So, yeah, keep me informed yeah. of the journey. Yeah, always. I always will. It's a lot of fun. Uh, now, Home Alone, like 1990. Uh, 63rd Academy Awards. Uh, we have some individuals I want to talk about, but this is the year where it might be, depending on how you look at it, depending what you're a fan of, uh, might be the biggest steal in Best Picture history. <laughs> I think I think Brokeback Mountain has something to say about you know going against Crash. I think I think there's been times where like uh, just the year before uh, 1989. Uh, uh, Drive Miss Daisy wins and Do the Right Thing isn't even nominated. It's just like, really? What really? What, what were you what were you really watching? But Dances with Wolves beating Goodfellas in 1990. It's like Home Alone's better than Dances with Wolves. Like, what are we doing? That's one of those. That's why people don't care about you. That's why people don't respect you. That's why as time goes on and people have the internet now on their phone and they can just look, why the fuck would I respect the academy? when they voted for this over that. And I think, I think Goodfellas is one of the, one of the greatest, uh, greatest examples of that, where this movie that is still, you know, 31 years later, just absolute dynamite and moves, moves like, you know, fucking butter. And Days of the Wolves is this boring kind of piece of shit. Like nobody cares movie that has no legacy other than, oh yeah, it's that shitty movie that won over Goodfellas, and that sucks. That's I hate. I hate when that happens because I want. I, I want people to care. I want. I want movie people to care. And if they made better decisions over, over their history, um, it might be different. People's respect for it. It might have more viewers. You know, uh, kind of thing. If they actually picked, it doesn't have to be looked at as the right movie, but a good movie. <laughs> and they they had one right there in front of them. Uh, Martin Scorsese's masterpiece. So very frustrating. Yeah. Goodfellas is an American classic, one of the most important films of all time. Uh, a, a masterpiece of a director who has many. And Dances with Wolves, I, if you can sit there and find enjoyment in a three-hour Civil War drama, good, good for you. <laughs> but I can't. And I don't know many people who can. Uh, whereas Goodfellas, while considerably long, is never boring at all. That movie is constantly keeping your interest with remarkable characters, crazy situations, and some of the best dialogue ever written. Yeah, uh, yeah it's a travesty. 
not only that, but then Costner beating Scorsese for director. What the yeah. fuck? <laughs> it's like just as bad. Yeah. 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 Uh, oh, what a yeah. really completely really stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Big, 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 big misstep. Uh, yeah. I just, you know, it's the first thing that pops out uh, with the 6030 Academy Awards. We're going to bring up the two nominations Home Alone got. Uh, both music related. But before we do that, I got four individuals I want to talk about. First one is Chris Columbus, the director of, of Home Alone, director of the first two Harry Potter movies. Holy shit. Uh, he was a producer on The Help, for The Help, uh, 2011. And that movie was up for Best Picture. So that's his only uh, only nomination from the Academy is, is being a producer for The Help. So it's not really his hand that's, that's in it. Uh, just someone who probably said here's some money so there's not a lot to show for for chris uh, chris columbus but he does have a fascinating filmography when it comes to directing you know mrs doubtfire you know home alone of course stepmom bicentennial man the first two harry potters uh and then he gets weird uh after that he gets real weird 2005 rent 2009 i love you beth cooper he does the uh percy jackson movies uh pixels in 2015 what the fuck just really bizarre. You would think that after uh, Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber of Secrets, like, oh, let's let's go up from here. But he just kind of kind of wanes. And at this point, at this point, he doesn't have a whole lot of respect because for the past twenty years, he hasn't done anything that impressive. And that's sad. I mean, yeah. what a promising ta- talent! Like who did so many iconic movies and then just completely disappeared. I mean, The Lightning Thief is maybe the most pissed off I've ever been in a movie theater because I was a huge Percy Jackson fan. I read all the books. I was waiting for that movie for years. And then I saw it and I was like, what the fuck? What I was like, it felt like Vito Corleone. Like, look how they massacred my boy. (laughs) (laughs) What what have they done? (laughs) And I think that's a big part of why Columbus disappeared. I think that movie failing so hard made a lot of people lose faith in him. And, uh, and then pixels didn't help. <laughs> no, good heavens. I completely forgot that movie existed until I read it on this on IMDb. And I was like, oh yeah, nobody saw that. <laughs> uh, except for really, really, really bored families that didn't know what to do with their time. Uh, you know, that, that shit will happen. Uh, you know who is cool though is Joe Pesci. Ah. Joe Pesci, Joe Pesci uh, is, you know, one of the stars of Home Alone. Just fucking hilarious from start to finish. He's dressed up as the cop at the beginning and he's asking who the hell, who the hell fucking runs this house, you know? Uh, and then, and then of course, towards the end, he just, he gets better and better as the movie goes on. Uh, but he's been nominated three times and he's won one all for Martin Scorsese uh, movies, all for Martin Scorsese roles. Uh, the first one's raging bull best actor supporting role. He was nominated. And then Goodfellas, He won has one of the top five best speeches of all time when it comes to the Oscars. Uh, and then he was nominated again just a couple of years ago for the Irishman for best actor in a supporting role. So he he is a he is a the definition of a character actor, the definition of a supporting guy. You you don't you you don't necessarily you're not like oh Joe Pesci he needs to carry this movie. He's so good in in little spurts. He's so good at coming in and coming out, and then he kind of steals the show when he's there. Uh, of course, Goodfellas. You know he has multiple moments that are just pure genius. You know I mean he's. One of the most famous scenes that I can think of is, is the funny guy uh, 
funny how that 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 bit will live on forever more so than there's people who haven't even seen goodfellas but they know what that is they know that scene oh yeah uh can anybody have a better 1990 than joe pesci goodfellas and home alone like well done way to pick your scripts man good job Um, yeah yeah work with work with a like you said, good scripts and work in two different, completely different stratospheres, a, a family movie, Christmas movie, and then this gritty gangster film that could be, could be the best gangster film of all time. So just crazy. <laughs> Apart from the funny guy bit in Goodfellas, maybe my favorite Tommy moment is go home and get your shine box. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the tension that just fucking explodes is so fantastic in that scene. And I think that's Frank Vincent. Yeah. Um, oh, what a great, what a yeah. great movie! <laughs> yeah, I, I want to do. I want to do Goodfellas. Uh, uh, we did Taxi Driver, and that was one of our biggest episodes ever because we did top five Scorsese and just kind of just oozed about how much we love some of his work. I want to do Goodfellas when his new movie comes out next year. Oh, okay. I would love to to kind of pair those together uh it's just it's time you know <clears throat> we've, we're we're almost 80 episodes in on this show and we both have been dying to do good fellas <laughs> i i've i've been wanting an excuse to watch it so next year uh i would love to be able to watch it with the you know the intentions of giving it giving it awards which would be you know very very difficult <laughs> yeah oh that movie's gold ah oh, can't wait but yeah joe yeah. pesci uh i love joe pesci uh I was really surprised that he came out of retirement to do the Irishman. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was cool to see him again. I didn't think the movie was amazing, but I, it was cool to see him again. He was my favorite part of that movie. Uh, I want to, I want to watch that again just to kind of, cause, cause a lot of people are obsessed with that movie and are like, Oh my God, you know, Scorsese still, he's still the master. And I, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I think you and I are both in the same camp of, we were just, just not very impressed. I've only seen it the one time. Uh, on Netflix when it came out a couple years ago. I would like to revisit it. I'll probably wait till we do a proper um, Parasite episode where we do a Best Picture Showdown and kind of revisit all those movies. I just remember, I remember, and I think I'm still still in the same boat where I think that and Joker are my least favorite movies from that 2019. I really like 2019, had some awesome movies, but those two, I'm just kind of like, eh. And that's funny because it's Scorsese and it's Joker, which is like a combination of Scorsese movies. So it's really, really weird that those are the bottom two in my mind, but I, I do need to revisit it at some point and, and see what all the fuss is about again. Cause sometimes rewatching a Scorsese movie can, can change everything. That's true. I mean, for me, I'm, I'm with you there. Irishman and Joker are the bottom tier of that year. Joker, especially because it irritated me that so many people were calling it like brilliant and, you know, original and i'm like I, I saw the king of comedy this is not new like yeah that bothered me and then the irishman if you're gonna be almost four hours long it better be the greatest movie i've ever seen like, yeah i don't want yeah. you know okay for that runtime yeah i feel you i just i just watched uh, there will be blood last night and that's like almost three hours and it's like because it's fucking worth it you know it's, yeah. it's worth every goddamn second and I, a lot of movies I adore, you know, the Lord of the Rings movies, Godfather movies are very long, but for good reason. The storytelling is actually that good and has that much depth. Uh, I, I felt the exact same way. The Irishman, I was like, Jesus, I got to like go take a walk for a minute so I can just 
so I can just kind of gather myself because I'm getting kind of bored. And I, I remember just being kind of put off by the de-aging stuff with Robert De Niro. So yeah, g- g- got to check it out again, just to kind of, kind of ve- either validate those, uh, those feelings or have a new, you know, change of heart. Um, this is going to be shocking to you. <laughs> There's one other actor who's been nominated by the Academy. Can you guess who it is? Um, I, without looking at IMDb, I'm going to guess Catherine O'Hara. No, no, I, that would have been my guess as well. She's, I think she's actually won a couple Emmys for Shit's Creek, but, but no, no, she, it's not her. It's, it's Larry Hankin. What? Officer Balzac? Yeah, he was not, yeah, he was nominated in 1980 for best short film. What in the world? That's fucking Joe. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. my god, I didn't know that. Crazy, I was blown away by that. Larry Hankins p- popped up in so many things that that we both love, uh, and he his bit in Home Alone is fucking hilarious. I always die laughing at that bit when he's just kind of like, "I don't want to do my job. <laughs> I'm good. I don't feel like doing shit. I'm a cop. I just don't. I, I'm good. I, I have I have better things to do with my time." And he's he's great. You know, he's. He, he's like a wonderful actor and, and you know he pointed out his uh joe and breaking bad he's fucking dynamite in that show but I, I i gotta see this short film i gotta see it uh, in 1980 he was nominated like who would have thought <laughs> <laughs> i love that i love little you know little details like that uh solly's diner yeah, yeah. solly's diner shared with jay zuckerman and harry matthias yeah i, I want to I know what that's about you know definitely I do want to point out he is a terrible cop who's just like, yeah, hyper on to things like that. But yeah. every adult in this movie who's not like an old man shoveling snow is a complete irresponsible bastard. <laughs> like this entire movie is full of bad people making bad decisions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which which I think is cool. I think I think John Hughes, one of his best attributes as a writer is, you know, of course he's he's good at uh, writing. I wouldn't say completely realistic adolescent characters, but <laughs> no. more realistic, more realistic than a lot of other teenage movies. He, he can, he has spurts of like, wow, that was, there's some real depth there. I do think he uses a lot of, you know, like, like breakfast club is like the jock, the bad boy, the pretty girl. And it's just kind of like, I, I'm just kind of put off by that movie at this point. You know, when I was younger, I really liked it, but he, he has that happen. But then he wrote Ferris Bueller and Ferris is like a very true true to teenager type character who is like is is willing to go to the to the nth degree just to kind of like have his way and have his little day you know and i think he's good at making all the adults just these clueless kind of like selfish like oh i'm i've grown old and i'm i just don't care about anything that happens around me i think there's i think there's truth to that in real life and i think he's good at kind of those side characters are always really funny uh, in his movies. Cause they're, cause that's how adults are a lot of the time. They're just kind of like, oh, I'm caught up in their own life. And in home alone, it's just tremendous what he's able to do. I mean, the whole premise is about these parents who can't even count their own fucking kids, you know, and they leave Kevin. So, so like, are you kidding me? If I had, it is, if I had 30 kids, it wouldn't matter. I would make sure I see every one of their faces before going to fucking Paris. Like, come <laughs> on. <laughs> uh. Well, like, 
you're a good person and a responsible dad, whereas Kevin's parents are kind of self-involved assholes. So I don't, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, self-involved assholes. That's a lot of John Hughes adult uh, written, written, written characters, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, crazy though. Uh, so Chris Columbus, Joe Pesci, Larry Hankin, real random group. Now to finish us off is uh, just last week we got to talk about um, one of the greatest composers of all time, Hans Zimmer. And we got to kind of kind of just rave about him. In the eyes of the Academy, the greatest composer of all time is John Williams, and John Williams provides a just t- tremendous score for uh, Home Alone. The, the intro, just forget about it. It'll get brought up later. He, John Williams is, is the most recognizable name when it comes to music writers for the big screen. There's no one that comes close. First off, his name's John Williams. Like, it's just the most American name of all time. Uh, <laughs> most English, almost English-speaking name of all time. He, he has 52 nominations. <laughs> 52 and five wins. I, I don't really feel like going through all of them because that would just be, I, I would lose my breath. Uh, but I do want to, for both of us, you know, uh, he won for Fiddler on the Roof. He won for Jaws. He won for E.T. Uh, and let's see what the others are. I have to do a lot of scrolling here. Star Wars. Uh, Schindler's List and Star Wars. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> Those are some of the biggest uh, movies, you know, in, in history, right? And that's, that's the thing about John Williams is he's, he's always attached to these monstrous, monstrous movies, these monstrous titles, because he's one of the only guys who can match, who can match, he can play, he can play ball with the big guys. You know, he's able to do stuff, but the star Wars music, like for me is better than the movies themselves. You know, John Williams score, like that's why I would watch it. I don't care too much for star Wars, but I will sit down and watch all of them because John Williams is just, just destroying those those scores. Uh, I, I love this guy. I love this guy. He's someone that I've just been been aware of for as long as I've been aware of you know big actors. You know, I've known who Leonardo DiCaprio is just as long as I've known who John Williams is. He's that kind of guy. He has that kind of that kind of pull. Uh, and what more can you say about him? You know, what, what's some of your favorite stuff by him? Oh damn, uh, John Williams. Uh, nobody's made more iconic film scores than this man. And every time you think he's phoning it in, like when he, you know, like home alone, this didn't need to be a banging soundtrack, but he made, he made it like incredible. Ah, favorites. Um, off the beaten path the Patriot. Okay. Okay. Uh, that's very good. Very, you know, America. Hoorah. Um, Raiders, you know, Indiana Jones, all four of them have incredible music behind them. Just the, the way, like the individual themes of each movie are so recognizable. Like I can just hear those stings and know like, oh, that's Last Crusade. Oh, that's Christmas. Yeah. Skull. Like it's that same thing with Star Wars. I can tell which Star Wars movie it is just by his music. They're all yeah. unique. That's incredible. Um, Jaws, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Superman. Uh, yeah. Harry Potter. Oh my God! It never stops. <laughs> no, it, do- it 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 doesn't. It really doesn't stop. Fifty two nominations is the second most in any when you talk about any category. You know, it's you know when it comes to performers, you know Meryl Streep is the top dog, but she doesn't even have half of what John Williams has. Fifty two. 
only Walt Disney is ahead of him with 59. Like that's, that's fucking bonkers. And then the next person, I can't remember who it is, has 45. So there's, there's a big gap right there. No, like no one's going to touch him. No, like no one is. And he's, he's been so consistent, you know, just, just, just last year, you know, uh, or two, two years ago now, uh, rise of Skywalker was nominated for, uh, best, best original score. That's crazy. You know? And he goes, his, his, just his Academy resume spans 50 years. Like what the fuck? This guy's, this guy's insane. You know, it goes from, goes from Valley of the Dolls, 1967 to Rise of Skywalker, 2019. What, who else can even say that? And Rise of Skywalker is a dog shit movie, but Williams really like really tries he elevates that thing to us. Like there's a moment towards the end where I'm like, that's one of the greatest star Wars moments of all time because of the music. Yeah. And it's just, and I hate that movie last Jedi and rise of Skywalker. I can't fucking stand, but God, is this man a rock star? He's yeah. He's like, he's the salt of movie music. Any you add him to anything, he makes it better. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. The two you pointed out the Patriot, you know, for me, my, my kind of personal ones that I've, as I've gotten older, I've just like, holy shit, I get, I get goosebumps over his, his, uh, his score for Catch Me If You Can. I oh, yeah. love, love, love that score. And then uh, JFK from 1991. Uh, my God, just a, that movie is just a, is just a gauntlet of incredible stuff happening inside one film. And who better than John Williams to kind of cap it, cap it all off. So uh, born in the 4th of July, also Oliver Stone. So yeah, I just, Love John Williams. You you can't go wrong with him. The same year he did JFK, he did another one of my favorites, um, Hook. Yes, Hook, which was up for best original song. Yeah, Hook is such a like everyone hates on Hook. I don't get it. It's it's my favorite version of the Peter Pan story, and Me it's too. such a delightful movie. I don't know how you can watch that and think that was terrible. But Williams scored like the, my favorite bit is presenting the Hook, the music leading up to Captain Hook's introduction is fire like any other composer does that it's their best work it's a tuesday for john williams yeah yeah <laughs> unbelievable <laughs> so good i love it well we're gonna we're gonna talk about him more right away uh because the two nominations for home alone are both john williams they're they're it's just yeah just he just adds packs it on best original score and best original song so uh we have it, it didn't win didn't win either and we, we definitely will have some stuff to say about that but best original song, uh, the nominees were Blaze of Glory from Young Guns 2. Fuck yeah. I'm Checking Out from Postcards from the Edge. Never seen that. Uh, Promise Me You'll Remember from The Godfather Part 3 uh, by Carmine Coppola. Uh, you know, Godfather 3, obviously nowhere near the first two, but I, I, do, I do like that song. Uh, and then Somewhere in My Memory from Home Alone, music by John Williams. Incredible. The winner is Sooner or Later. I'll always get my man from Dick Tracy by Stephen Sondheim, who just passed away recently. Uh, dynamite, dynamite uh, composer as well. The guy who just kind of could do it all. So rest in peace to him. Uh, very sad. I just, I, if I'm being honest, I, I don't see how somewhere in my memory doesn't win this. I was last week on sneak preview. Uh, Caleb and I did talk about Stephen Sondheim's passing. And this came up, Dick Tracy. Yeah. Uh, terrible fucking movie. I'll never understand the fandom behind this. This movie is ridiculous. And uh, yeah, I don't like this song. I, 
honestly, if I'm, I would 100% give this to Blaze of Glory. Okay. Oh, I love that. John Bon Jovi. All right. Yeah. I want to see Bon Jovi get an Oscar. And that is a kick-ass song. I, yeah. I, somewhere Gun in my Guns memory, too. it kind of... Hmm? Yeah, Young Guns. Young Guns 2 kicks ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But somewhere in my memory, just for me, it, it bleeds into the score. I can't really tell the difference. You know what I mean? That's fair. That's yeah. totally fair. Yeah, yeah. John Williams uh, working with Leslie Brickus, uh, the lyrics for Somewhere in My Memory. Just goosebumps every time. Every time that movie, that Home Alone starts and you're just, you're, you're, in, a, you're, you're, you're in a world where you're like, hell yeah. Uh, I get to smile for an hour and a half. <laughs> so cool. Uh, have you seen all those movies though? I have not seen Postcards from the Edge, but I've seen the other four. Same, same, yeah. I, I don't know much about it, but... Uh, it's uh, it's the Carrie Fisher story, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if I'm like super keen on watching that. You know, I don't think it's like on my, it's on my on my on my list of unseen stuff. <laughs> One of these days, when I have just a limitless pool of free time, I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna watch all of the Merrill nominations, <laughs> and that'll be my that'll be the time I watch Postcards from the Edge. Okay. All right, Shell Shell Silverstein. Maybe you can see if uh, I'm checking out. Should have should have won best original song, <laughs> uh, best original score. The nominees are Avalon, Randy Newman, Legend, Ghost, Maurice Jar, Havana, Dave Grusin, Home Alone, John Williams, and the winner, John Barry for Dances with Wolves. Just come on, what are we doing here? Do you what? remember a single note of the Dances with Wolves score? No, I've seen that movie once, and I just. I was younger. I was like 15, 16, somewhere in there. And I was just like, what am, what am I watching? You know, is cause it was this, you know, I, I had, yeah, I read on the DVD case that, you know, best picture winner, 1990. No, I didn't know about everything that I know now, of course. Uh, but when I figured out that this movie was, was even at the ceremony, you know, and all these other great movies are here. I, I just, I didn't understand it. And this is when my, kind of weird relationship with the with the academy started where i was like man i love some of the movies that are up but i fucking hate some of them too (laughs) this is when it that's when it kind of started when i was in my late teenage years and just kind of putting two and two together you know and just being kind of bewildered and i still am still am bewildered by the academy the academy is made up of human beings and human beings are fucking stupid so (laughs) That's my rationale. Like sometimes they're going to get it right, but a lot of times they're going to fuck up. And uh, 1990 and 1989, like this was a couple years in a row where they really fucked up. Uh, yeah. And then, and then they, they, then they, you know, 1991 is a pretty good bunch, you know, and Sounds of the Lambs takes, takes the big, the big wins. So they finally woke up, you know, okay. And then Unforgiven wins pretty, pretty good movie, you know, and Schindler's List, you know, and Forrest Gump and Braveheart. All right, all right, we're getting back. We're getting back to some sort of groove, you know. Uh, and and then English Patient wins, and that movie's okay. But I think I think the '90s are fascinating when it comes to Best Picture winners. Uh, some of the movies are incredible, and some of them are very forgettable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as far as score goes, I love John Barry. That's the guy who scored most of the Bond franchise. Yeah, and every film has a has a unique score that you can, if you're a Bond fan, you can always tell what the movie is by that score. So props to John Barry, but this was John Williams Oscar. The home alone score is beautiful and it doesn't need to be. It's awesome. It's haunting. It's got so many layers to it. And it just, he could have just, you know, 
phoned it in, but I don't think he knows how to phone it in. This is a guy who automatically gives 110% to everything he does. I nothing but praise. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. John Barry has just as many Oscar wins as John Williams does. Uh, He also has, he also has five. Now he's only been nominated seven times, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Seven times. So much different, you know, kind of, kind of, uh, relationship, you know, with the Academy, but has five wins, you know, and one of them is born free. Then the line in winter out of Africa, uh, he was nominated for Chaplin, the, the 1992 uh, score, really good score. So yeah, he has some really good stuff. But overall, I, I don't, I don't think there's a comparison when it comes to Home Alone versus Dance with Wolves. No, and then that's sad. The Best Picture winner that any other movie at this, at this show, like, deserved it more. It's arguably yeah. the worst movie here. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I love Awakenings. Love, love, love Awakenings. Goodfellas, of course, you know, we've talked a lot about that one. Uh, Godfather Part 3, I, I don't really get that nomination at all. Ghost is decent. But yeah, I, I think Dance of the Wolves is probably the worst one here. Uh, I mean, Reversal of Fortune and The Grifters are both better than Godfather Part 3 and Dance of the Wolves. I, I hate when they do this stuff. I hate when they... Misery, fucking Misery is way better than those movies. Uh, I'll take fucking Pretty Woman, Julie Roberts, over those movies. I just, I don't get it. I don't get when you have five spots and you're just lazy with them. Uh, makes no sense. One of these days, I'm, I'm going to watch Ghost. It's the only one from this group I haven't seen. I'm going to do that. Yeah, it's decent. Godfather 3, I don't, I don't care for. I got to watch that recut Coppola did la- a couple years ago, or maybe it was last year. That's apparently like, like so much better. Honestly, I don't see how you can... I mean, unless you're completely taking Sofia Coppola out of it, I don't see how you can make this movie better. Yeah, but, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Uh, but right now, Dances with Wolves is bottom of the barrel. And I just, I don't understand the, the reverence. Yeah, and one day, you know, we're going to do a Best Picture Showdown. And I'm just like, I'm just not looking forward to it uh, yeah. at all. We've, do, we've done Awakenings. We did, a, we did a proper episode on that. And what a movie, you know, one outstanding, two just outstanding performances from, from Robin and Robert, both, both just kind of in a league of their own during that movie. It's, it's, it's great stuff. We did that. We did that not that long ago on this show. So it'll be a while before we come back to it. You know, Home Alone's a much different kind of episode, you know, than, than those kind of movies. Uh, but, you know, Home Alone got, got two. So that's why we can do it on the show. And, I'm excited to give our own awards out to Home Alone just to kind of kind of embrace what we both really, really love about it. You know, uh, that's always my favorite part of the show is when we get to the end and we can properly uh, em- em- embrace the film that we, that we chose for the week. So we have the Tarantino for our favorite line or favorite quote. We have the uh, Ennio Morricone Award, which we could call the John Williams. <laughs> we really could. We uh, for, for the best music moment, uh, we have the Philip Seymour Hoffman Award for the best performance, and we have the Roger Deakins Award for the best scene of the movie. Philip Seymour Hoffman, I just got done watching Punch Drunk Love before we started recording this. I'm, I'm doing, uh, you know, because Licorice Pizza will be out nationwide at the end of December, and I'm watching, I'm, I'm going to watch every single one of Paul Thomas Harrison's movies, which is just a treat for me to do anyway, but I, it's very rare that 
a movie of his comes out, you know, it's always like four or five years in between each one. And anytime I get a chance to kind of go back through the filmography and kind of reevaluate all of them so far, I've watched heart eight, there'll be blood and punch drunk love. And I, I just like him even more now, you know, that's just kind of how it goes with him. Philip Seymour Hoffman. <laughs> the, the reason we, the reason we, we named the award after him is yeah. Cause he's got, he's got nominations. He's got to win uh, when it comes to the Oscars, but we both love his stuff outside of that. You know, he, he embodies like what we love about acting and the art of acting and the craftsmanship that goes into it. And his little scenes in punch drunk love are, they make that movie. They really make that movie something else. When him, when him and Adam Sandler are on the phone together, shut, 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 shut up. <laughs> Did you just tell me to go fuck myself? Oh, that's bad. <laughs> You're dead. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, God. And the, he, he fucking Sandler, Barry Egan goes to Utah to confront him and he's still holding the phone. <laughs> he's like, Did you come all the way from LA to tell me this? Yes. All right, then that's that. <laughs> and they fucking part ways. It's like, I just, I, I love everything he does, whether it's a lead role or fucking four or five minutes uh, in a movie. He's, he's the man. And yes, there's people who are more acclaimed or have more nominations. I just, I, we can't deny our, uh, our kind of bond over Philip Seymour Hoffman. This guy, I mean, when we did our episode on Filmgasm about it, we called him the king of characters. And yeah. I'll stand by that. Nobody, disappeared into a character like he did it was i mean he never like you know his weight never fluctuated his hairstyle never changed but you (laughs) believed it was a different guy every time i don't know what he did it's just it's subtle things i mean his little that little bit in the car in before the devil knows you're dead oh my god haunts me on a daily basis like i think about that all the time i've never seen anything stronger in that little like i i words can't describe it's, it was fucking unreal yeah that that scene in that movie and then the scene when him and ethan hawk are in that apartment and they're they're both like losing their minds ethan hawk is looking at him like i didn't know what acting was until right now <laughs> it's it's so crazy what he's doing in that movie maybe maybe his i'll say it maybe his best performance of all time is in that movie uh and that's just that's just crazy you know when he has this crazy filmography from 1992 uh sent of a woman he just kicks it off right away and you're like who is that guy <laughs> uh and all the way till you know 2014 his passing and uh, yeah love love the dude any chance we get to kind of talk about him uh always gonna take it and, and watching watching pta means you're gonna be watching psh you know um he's going to pop up he's in he's in a lot of his movies and you know we'll of course, we're going to do a Paul Thomas Anderson movie uh, later on in the month, but you'll have to wait to find out what it is. <laughs> uh, all right, man. What's your Tarantino? There's so many good lines in this movie. John Hughes, God bless. I have two quick ones and then one monologue. Okay. Um, so first quick one uh, towards the beginning of the film. It's after uh, Kevin finds out he's going to have to sleep on the hide of bed with Fuller. And he starts asking Fuller. around... I love that this family is like using the, the, the kid with bedwetting issues as a punishment. Yeah. And his name is Fuller. Like, yes. But so good. He goes into Buzz's room to ask him if he can sleep in there. And as soon as Buzz sees him, he just goes, Don't you know how to knock Flemwad? It's like, what the fuck, man? It's perfect. 
I wouldn't let you sleep. What does he say? I wouldn't let you sleep in my bed if you're growing on my ass. <laughs> I love Buzz. He's such a dumbass. There's that one part where he's talking to one of his sisters, uh, Buzz is, and he says for two things, and he names three things. <laughs> yeah, was it like like three reasons? Yeah. A, like what? Yeah, A, yeah. two, and D. <laughs> Fucking moron. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, that's what it is. You're right. Oh my god, Buzz is such a good character. Uh, oh yeah, I love with just that. You're like, oh okay, so this is the kind of relationship they have. Yeah, you're growing on my ass. Oh man, um, wad. My second one is when Kevin orders a pizza and he has the the gangster movie playing, and. The guy's like, I got your pizza. And the gangster guy says, leave it on the doorstep and get the hell out of here. <laughs> so aggressive. And the, yeah. the pizza guy doesn't, he's like, okay. Like, he doesn't catch on to any of this. He thinks he gets shot at, never calls the cops. <laughs> I, I love that too, because it's, uh, what is it called? Angels with filthy souls and it's angels yeah. with dirty faces. Yeah, really cool. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Uh, and then my final one is John Candy's story about leaving his kid at a funeral home. <laughs> it's, he's, he's like, yeah, it was awful. The wife was distraught and we left a little tyke there in the funeral parlor all day, all day. You know, we went back at night. And apparently he had been alone all day with the corpse. And he was OK, though. After six, seven weeks, came around, started talking again. <laughs> and Kate's just like, maybe we shouldn't talk about this. <laughs> I love I love how John Candy's just doing he's clearly doing John Hughes a favor in this movie. It's like, hey, I'll show up for just a little bit towards the end and be kind be kind of the hero. Uh yeah. the one who the one who gets who gets the mom, gets Catherine O'Hara back home, uh drives her drives her through Chicago. And he's perfect. He's perfect <laughs> in that in that airport scene. He's just he's just dynamite right away. Hulk a king of the Midwest. <laughs> i want to see that movie yeah <laughs> yeah wonderful and i also love that he winged that entire speech like all of that was just off the top of his head jesus christ yeah he he was a gem and i i, I hate that i hate that we lose those people you know uh I often think about him when i think about chris farley and vice versa and these guys are just they just had this uncanny ability to just make you laugh with anything and yeah he's incredible he was incredible love that guy so that's a, that's a great great pick uh my tarantino goes to a, a bit between harry and marv <laughs> and uh it's towards towards the end of the movie when they go to the house finally go into the house and they're like we're going we're going to to steal from this house we're gonna we're gonna rob all their shit and harry says why the hell did you take your shoes off <laughs> and marv says why the hell are you dressed like a chicken <laughs> and they're both they're both so confused like how did this kindergartner just just fuck us up like this yeah. and, and they're and, and that they this this movie could you know it could go two ways uh once once they get to this point you know harry and marv could be these kind of cheesy whatever characters who are, who are robbing their house but there's moments where they're like they're so angry and they're like i'm gonna fucking kill this kid and I love I love that decision to make them just really angry because they keep getting, you know, stepping on ornaments and stepping on a giant nail and getting just getting fucked up. I love that they're 
how angry they are. Cause that's how yeah. angry I would be. If, if, <laughs> if a, like a seven year old was fucking me up like that, <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to strangle that kid. <laughs> and I, I love their delivery. You know, uh, Joe Pesci and, and uh, Daniel Stern are both, they both make home alone, you know, both the first two movies uh, yeah. without, without them home alone three loses a lot of its, a lot of its, uh, you know, charm. And then home alone four, Jesus Christ, what a train wreck. And the newest one I've heard that's just not very good. So yeah. first two, that's all you need to watch. I, there's so many lines I could have chosen. Like there's ones I wanted to have. I could have a whole like fucking page here. One of my favorites is a uh, Santa don't visit the funeral homes, little buddy. <laughs> yeah. And then, <laughs> um, I love when um, they go to the house and they're kind of confused. It's like last night there was a party, but now it looks like it's empty. And Mar- Harry goes, why don't you go check it out? And there's this long silence and Marv just looks at him like, now it's like no tomorrow now (laughs) (laughs) it's so simple but it's like it's hilarious (laughs) god so good yeah their their chemistry is 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 wild like had no had no idea that you know those two but you know it's really stern is great but it's really pesci who just is like constantly pushing the gas like he's just always in control of every scene he's in he's so good I'll have more to say on that later, but yeah. Yeah, me, me too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the the Ennio Morricone Award. What what part of this John Williams score stands out to you the most? Oh, it's easily the opening credits. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Just setting the tone for this thing. It gives you kind of a creepy flavor. You're thinking like, hmm, where is this going to go? The first time you're seeing it, you're like, is this a kid's movie or a horror movie? What is this? But it ends up, you know, kind of working on both counts. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's stellar. And I love the, you know, kind of graphic at the beginning, you know, as we're, you know, we're seeing the house and seeing, like you said, it's, it's unsettling. And again, I think this movie takes, they take this liberty where they're like, no, we're not going to just be like, we're, it, it is a family movie. It is a Christmas movie, but it's got some edge to it. And that's thanks to John Williams and thanks to Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern. They're both, they're all just kind of giving it this, this darkness, this edge, the edge that I, that I really love and that I've fallen in love with over the past fucking 20 years of my life. So awesome, awesome stuff. There was no question in my mind that when the movie started, I, I wrote it down right away. It's like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's it. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I love yeah. that. Now the Philip Seymour Hoffman award. I think we have the same guy here, but. Pesci. Yeah. Joe Pesci. Yeah. It's Pesci. For me, it's Pesci wins the first movie. Daniel Stern wins the second movie. Okay. I respect that. <laughs> but yeah, Harry just, I mean, from, you know, pretending to be a cop to, you know, organizing this whole thing to really having this like he's killed before kind of vibe yeah. and getting fucked up by an eight year old. It's, it's great. <laughs> yeah. And the, and how about the touch of the tooth? You know, what a, what a genius, genius touch. The gold dude. I love when he loses it. And he's like, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. Like he starts yeah. freaking out. <laughs> Uh, well, then that's great because the dad, uh, that's uh, uh, John Hurd, right? Yeah, the, the uh, Mr. McAllister, he picks up the tooth when they get home and he's like, what's this? You fucking clueless dad. You have no idea what's going on. I love it. Over the course of both films, the entire family is completely unaware of the wet bandits. <laughs> they yeah. never know anything happened between Kevin and these guys, whereas these guys will be permanently traumatized because they encountered Kevin twice. Yeah. <laughs> so good yeah this the wet bandits the sticky bandits yeah <laughs> yeah 
I love those guys so much. <laughs> oh man, this is going to be great. The Deacons, the Roger Deacons Award for the best scene of the movie. There's there's a lot. There's a lot. There's there's some there's some heartwarming moments. There's some really funny moments. Uh, what do you got? Well, I mean, you could just kind of cheat and say the whole third act where they get fucked up, but I like to narrow it down a little bit. And yeah. uh, the scene <laughs> every time makes me laugh like so hard like it's the first time i've ever seen it it's when marv steps on the nail <laughs> it's just the way it goes in like a half inch and he just like gets this super long exaggerated scream and falls straight backwards <laughs> just thinking about it it's a perfect comedy recipe that i just i can't figure it out like why is that so funny <laughs> it's perfect uh, yeah I, I love, love, love that part. Yeah, I, I think you're right. You could choose the moment they arrive to the house and just start getting annihilated. And <laughs> and I, I, I wouldn't have a problem with that, but I'm with you. I, I chose something more specific that, that falls in that, you know, 20-minute frame. Uh, and it's when they, when Kevin goes, uh, like, zip lines across to the, to the treehouse and then they get, they're like, well, let's fucking follow him. But they're both kind of like, I don't know. And then, and then they're like, go back, go back, go back. These, these grown-ass men are hanging on a rope. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Just thinking about, at this point, they're like, I'll do anything. You know, uh, fucking Harry's head has been blowtorched. You know, and his beanie, his beanie, his hat came off, you know, because he got, because he got torched. Uh, uh, Marv has no fucking shoes on because he's, he's he's lost him due to all kinds of issues and he stepped on ornaments so he has a glass sticking out of his feet <laughs> and they're dumb enough to like not not go back downstairs and go around and go outside they're like no let's fucking follow him down this zip line <laughs> and when they realize like what's really happening and they start both looking at each other like let's go back let's go back let's go back <laughs> I, I always lose it in that scene but I also love um I love when Kevin realizes he's home alone. It's such a classic, like wonderful moment of when you're a kid, you desire this sort of adult freedom that you don't have. And then eventually it wears off because you realize I don't know what I'm doing. I am too young to, I'm too young to operate. I love the scene when he goes to the grocery store and the lady's like, are you here all by yourself? And he's like, man, (laughs) you think you really think, my mom's in the car. She's like, where's your dad? He's at work. You know, he has all these answers, you know, he's trying to like, trying to be an adult. Yeah. I, I, I love so many little moments from this movie. It really, it really moves perfectly. I, I contemplated between giving it an eight and a nine, honestly, like, I think it's that good. Uh, I'm not really sure where I'm at, you know, cause personally I'm like, well, I watch it so much and I watch it every Christmas. I kind of want to give it a nine just off of like my own personal but then I'm kind of like, oh, is it a nine though? Am I, am I, is it really a nine? I don't know. It's somewhere in between eight and nine, man. I love this movie. It's an eight for me. Um, I do love it. It's, it's funny as hell. Uh, one scene I do want to point out that was a runner up for me was when Kevin puts the spider on Marv's face. Oh, perfect. And Marv loses his shit. And then Harry wakes up not knowing there's a spider on him, but he sees Marv about to beat the shit out of him with a crowbar. It's like, Marv, what are you doing? Like, don't, don't do it, man. He just gets him right in the chest. He's like, what? what's wrong with you? He yeah. him a couple times. So good. I love watching Joe Pesci uh, 
when the because uh, Kevin pours water on the the steps and it's they, they become icy. And Joe Pesci, I could watch him struggle up those like four steps all day. It's so funny because he's like, "All right, I'm gonna fucking kill you." <laughs> he's like mumbling under his breath and he doesn't know what to do. And he keeps, it's like he's ice skating in the same spot. <laughs> it's so funny. I love oh, his man. his fake PG swearing where he's just kind of mumbling like. Right up. He's not saying anything because it's a PG movie. But, <laughs> oh man, yeah this this movie's a classic. This was fun. Yeah, lots of fun. It feels right to do to do kind of a, you know maybe maybe what we'll do every Christmas and Oscar Sunday is go back and forth between. You know we did Die Hard last year. Maybe we'll go back and forth between kind of you know serious, maybe action or thriller or whatever it is, crime movies to just endearing family. Yeah. Family, family comedies. Maybe we'll just go back and forth. I, I kind of like doing it, doing it that way, where we kind of get a little bit of everything, and not not just doing Die Hard, Batman Returns. You know, <laughs> you know these these movies that are just kind of on it. They're in a different kind of playing field than something like Home Alone. But I love them both the same. You know. Yeah, yeah, I get you. I figure we just, you know, we'll do whatever feels right. It's usually how we've been doing this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're do, doing doing what feels right, and next week. What feels right? <laughs> I'm I'm not looking forward to it in some cases, <laughs> but but it feels right to do. You know, it, it's episode eighty, so it's going to be a best picture showdown. That's there's no question about that. We we love doing those every fifth episode. Gives us just enough time to kind of watch all the best picture nominees and get a get a sort of a feel for them. Get a get a uh, opinion on each of them. And next week is when. Uh, well, I guess this Friday is when uh, West Side Story, Steven Spielberg's West Side Story comes out and will unleash on theaters. And I think a lot of people are going to go see that movie. I think it's going to do really well. I think it has a, a fan base that I, that, that I don't understand, but, I, but, I, but it's there. It's very present. It's very there. And 1961, West Side Story won Best Picture. So we're going to do that on Oscar Sunday. So Oscar Sunday, we'll talk about that. You know, the movie will, the new movie will be off that weekend. So go check it out if you want to. I, I definitely won't. I don't really have an affinity to West Side Story. It's just kind of a whatever movie to me. I, I respect it in some regards, but, but as a movie for me, like for entertainment, I just don't really get it. But there's other movies from that year that we both adore, like The Hustler and Judgment at Nuremberg. So it's going to be fun to kind of be able to properly talk about those movies and rank them. Uh, amongst the other 1961 Best Picture nominees. So come back next week and have some fun with us. Just don't expect us to be raving about West Side Story. (laughs) Yeah, and I've got the unfortunate double duty of having to watch the new one for the sneak preview, most likely. So uh, I looked up the runtime, two hours and 36 minutes. So this ought to be just so much fun. Uh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. So great. Uh, You know, honestly, we might just, Caleb and I might just rebel and do something completely different (laughs) yeah what you should do yeah if you don't want to see it you don't want to see it just do a top five spielberg or something like that you know uh yeah but i'm thinking like for the good of the shows should i watch it so i have more to talk about next week on this show should i like should i do it for for the like for the greater good (laughs) i don't know are you are you going to rewatch 1961 west side story for next week yes yeah, see, you don't want to do that to yourself where you're watching two West Side stories in one week. Yeah, six fucking losing. hours of West Side Story. Yeah. I don't know if that's worth it. 
No, it's probably not. And, and, you know, um, we both have watched, uh, I won't say now, but there's, there's another one of those 1961 films that we're both kind of like, eh. So it's, it's going to be interesting because there's a couple we love and I think there's a clear middle one. And then there's two that mm, not so much. So it's going to be, it's going to be fun to, to properly, uh, you know, discuss those and, and, and kind of, I think you and I will have a lot of fun talking about those top two. So I, I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Uh, so this week on sneak preview tomorrow, uh, Caleb and I will be discussing uh, the power of the dog as well as uh, whatever else we feel like talking about. Cool, um, cool. And then this week, uh, Wednesday on Filmgasm, we're talking Jim Henson and the 1986 cult classic Labyrinth. So it's going to be really cool. I've never seen it. Uh, I'm psyched. Beautiful. I love that. That's going to be really cool. Labyrinth is just absurd. And if you're, you know, I, I'm pretty sure you're a David Bowie fan, his music. So yeah. I think, yeah, it's oh, just yeah. a must. It's a must see. So yeah, that'll, that'll be real cool. Fantastic. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a happy holiday, a Merry Christmas. Uh, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>